I want to tell you about a man who's said to be the Hamas leader who's central to this war and the release of hostages. He's also a key target for Israel. Sam Kiley has more on the leader of Hamas in Gaza. Israel wants this man dead. Yahya al-Sinwa, the leader of Hamas in Gaza. In the face of evil, in the end, is Yahya al-Sinwa. That man is in our sights. All his team are, and we'll get to them. He was first convicted in 1988 for the murder of two Israeli soldiers and four Palestinians suspected of collaboration with Israel. And he spent two decades in an Israeli prison studying his enemy. The founder of Hamas internal security force, he had hunted alleged collaborators with zeal and was among the movement's biggest prizes when over a thousand Palestinian prisoners were released in 2011 for Gilad Shalit an Israeli soldier held hostage in Gaza for five years. He said, There is no doubt that this is a nationalistic moment par excellence. It is one of the big strategic monuments in the history of our cause. He quickly became head of Hamas's military wing and on election to the Gaza leadership in 2017, effectively abolished its civilian branch. Ostracized by Egypt over its support for political Islam, he repaired friendships with Cairo and built regional relationships that entrenched Hamas power. It really needed to have also good relations with um, the key Arab state that also shares the only Arab border with the Gaza Strip and with Iran um, that could supply Hamas with uh, military and, and logistical support. Iran has poured military support into Hamas under him, and Qatar has been a major backer of civilian projects. He was soon in Israel's crosshairs, quite literally. The IDF tried to kill him in May 2021. Ten days later, he laid out his strategy. He said, if the world doesn't take action to stop it, meaning Israel, there will be a religious war in the region. And he soon appeared in Gaza alongside Egypt's intelligence chief, Abbas Kamel. The US is now relying on Egypt and Qatar as key players to try to secure the safe release of Hamas's 200 captives. Their main point of contact is likely Sinwar, unless Israel fulfills its promise to kill him. Sam Kiley, CNN. Well, a major unanswered question here is what was Hamas thinking with their terror attack? That is the headline for an article by a journalist at The New Yorker who recently asked that of a senior uh, political uh, Hamas official who is living in, uh, in Doha in Qatar, David Kirkpatrick, who co-authored that piece, has covered the region extensively. He joins us now. David, the article you wrote is, is fascinating. What, what were they thinking? You know... The picture that emerged was desperation. Uh, I should tell you that when my colleague uh, Adam uh, uh, Ragzan and I spoke, Razgan and I spoke to uh, Musa Abu Marzouk, uh, he was at pains to say, "No, we have not despaired. We're strong." But the takeaway was that they basically feel like their backs against are against the wall. It was a, a you know a familiar litany of grievances about the occupation, about Israeli settlements in the West Bank, about the management of the Al-Aqsa Mosque, which is very important to Palestinians uh, and Muslims everywhere. Uh, but added to that was a, a, an increased sense of desperation because of the, the right-wing government around Netanyahu, because of the messages that it's conveying about its lack of receptivity to any kind of Palestinian political entity alongside Israel.
and also a sense of betrayal as the other Arab states uh, more and more accommodate themselves to Israel, you know, begin to recognize Israel and Saudi Arabia, the most important of those, the latest uh, in line to make an agreement like that. So it's really a time when I think from his point of so view, we, uh, they have a little choice. So if for, for Hamas, it would be a success, if you can talk about the, the murder of so many civilians as, as a success in, the, in their sick calculus, if that Saudi deal does not go through, if Saudi Arabia does not recognize uh, the state of, of Israel, and also they have all these hostages who they have wanted to trade in the past and I assume want to trade now. Yeah, that's all true. You know, and we pressed him on the sort of intelligible strategic reasons. You know, did you do this because of Saudi Arabia? Did you do this for prisoner exchanges? And there wasn't a clear answer because he was very frank that he didn't think they could dissuade Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia is going to do what Saudi Arabia is going to do. Uh, and yeah, I'm sure they'll want to exchange these prisoners. But at the same time, they this this attack has brought an enormous, enormous degree of pain on the Gazan population, the Palestinians living in Gaza. Uh, and when we pressed him about how the strategic advantages, the practical strategic advantages of this attack could justify that sacrifice, his answers were very abstract, very nebulous. He was really looking towards a very, very distant horizon. All he could say was, you know, for years they've been fighting on our territory and killing us. This time we're fighting on their territory for the first time, which is a, you know, it's a symbolic victory of sorts, but it's not much. We should point out, and you point this out in, in the article in The New Yorker, which I encourage people to read, he lied to you. I mean, he denies that civilians were targeted. He denies that, that women and children were, were slaughtered. He did say some things which we found unconvincing about that. Yeah, he said, you know, after the Hamas fighters came in, others came in afterwards, and it was those others who did these misdeeds. Yeah, that's true. I didn't find that very convincing. He's certainly not the first military leader to try to spin in that way. If is it clear to you if Hamas expects Hezbollah to open up a second front in this war? It was clear from what he said that they do not. You know, obviously this is a war. There's lots of misinformation, but he was he seemed very candid. We said, you know, what if Hezbollah enters this war? What if it becomes a regional conflict? And he said, quite frankly, we wish. You know, if only it could become a regional conflict, we would love that. But we don't see any sign of it. Hezbollah is going to more or less abide by its ceasefire with Israel, uh, he said, uh, and he did not expect uh, this war to expand on that other front. David Kirkpatrick, thank you so much. It's good to have you on the program again.